Good day, my fellow travelers. It's August 7th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I hope you're enjoying your summer. I'm happy to serve as your tour guide as we make today's journey further along the pathway through the Old and New Testaments. We've come quite the distance, but I want to encourage you, even if you've not been with us from the beginning or you missed a day, get on board today and make it a part of your daily lifestyle to take in the full scope of God's Word, the big picture, the whole counsel of God. Yesterday we saw similarities with the construction work of Zerubbabel's temple in the Old Testament and the building of the church, the temple of the Holy Spirit, in the New Testament. We learned that the priority before all else was that the altar be built. This illustrates that the cross of Christ needs to be recognized, the place of the ultimate sacrifice symbolizing where our redemption is purchased. It is where our life with God begins. Then we saw how this construction work was halted by enemies of the cross, those who falsely accused the faithful of being insurrectionists. Although the work of God is opposed, God's purposes are not thwarted. Satan's name means adversary, and he stands against the will of God, the worship of God, and the progress of the people of God. We need to be aware of his tactics of lies and slander. We need to stand in our identification with Christ and his victory over Satan at the cross. And we need to resist the devil with the truth of God's word. So let's pick up the story where we left off yesterday, Ezra chapter 4, verse 24, and I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible. Ezra 4, verse 24, Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Chapter 5. Rebuilding begins anew. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozanai and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, What are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer would be returned by letter concerning it. Tatanai's Letter to King Darius This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozanai and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Darius the king. They sent him a report in which was written as follows, To Darius the king, all peace. Be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God, It is being built with huge stones, and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? We also asked them their names, for your information, that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us, 
We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus the king made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought it into the temple of Babylon, these Cyrus the king took out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And he said to him, Take these vessels, go, and put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and from that time until now it has been in building, and it is not yet finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon, to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem, and let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. Chapter 6 The Decree of Darius Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in Babylonia, in the house of the archives where the documents were stored. And in Ecbatana, the citadel that is in the province of Medea, a scroll was found on which this was written, a record. In the first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where sacrifices were offered, and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be sixty cubits and its breadth sixty cubits, with three layers of great stones and one layer of timber. Let the cost be paid from the royal treasury. And also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place. You shall put them in the house of God. Now therefore, Tatanai, governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar, Bozanai, and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away. Let the work on this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the province from beyond the river. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, a beam shall be pulled out of his house and he shall be impaled on it and his house shall be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put out a hand to alter this, or to destroy this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it be done with all diligence. The temple finished and dedicated. Then, according to the word sent by Darius the king, 
Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shathar Bozanai, and their associates did with all diligence what Darius the king had ordered. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God one hundred bulls, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, twelve male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. Passover Celebrated On the fourteenth day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean, so they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priests and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile, and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the peoples of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. And this is the end of our reading today from the Old Testament portion from the book of Ezra. You may remember that Cyrus gave the proclamation in the last verse of Second Chronicles, Let him go up. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 23, permitting every Jew to return to the promised land from their captivity in the Median Persian Empire. They were invited to go up to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. After Cyrus died, Persian officials, Rehum, Shimshai, and others, questioned whether this great work was properly authorized. They sent a letter to Artaxerxes falsely accusing the Israeli remnant of rebellion. As a result, the work came to a standstill until the second year of Darius, king of Persia, in Ezra chapter 4, verse 24. This historical situation of the temple work coming to a standstill in the 6th century BC speaks to our present 21st century work of the gospel. The enemy will do whatever he can to bring the work to a standstill. We are workers together with Christ, building up the body of Christ through our preaching, teaching, witnessing, edifying, and various expressions of sacrificial service that contribute towards the goal of making disciples of all nations. When we move forward in faith, we can expect a counterattack. Satan is a hinderer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. He is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Satan may attempt to stop the work, but at best he only puts it on pause. The story is not over. God is greater. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah are sent to encourage Zerubbabel and Jeshua, son of Josedek. Zechariah reminds Zerubbabel that the hindering mountain of difficulty and opposition will soon become a plain. God is in control. In Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Then he, that is the Lord, said to me, Zechariah, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, 
not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Apparently, when the work stopped, people lost focus. They were no longer engaged in the godly endeavor of restoring the temple and suffered for it. They became preoccupied with themselves and temporal matters. Haggai would speak to their lapse into spiritual complacency, challenging them with God's word. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Haggai chapter 1 verse 8. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. We need the ministry of God's word to stir up the spirits of God's servants, lest we fall into a spiritual malaise. The success we read about in Ezra chapter 5 verse 2 is due to the ministry of God's word. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, arose and began to rebuild the house of God which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Ezra 5.2 There is no discharge from the spiritual battle during this age. The war wages until Christ returns. When adversaries are defeated in one battle, Satan raises up new opposition in another. This time the trouble comes from Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, someone who had no legal right to interfere. Yet he writes King Darius, implying that the building project is not authorized and is a threat to the Persian Empire. Tatanai hears and records the reply of the Israeli remnant to those who questioned their actions. We can follow their example. Number one, their confidence was fully placed in God. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth, in verse 11a. Number two, they recognized and affirmed their godly heritage. We are building a temple that was built many years ago, in verse 11b. Number three, they knew they were involved in a God-appointed work. The God of heaven is in charge, in verse 12. Number four, they acknowledged that their 70-year captivity was a result of their sin of forsaking their covenant responsibilities and relationship with God. Be willing to humbly admit failings and take responsibility. Failings do not equal failure. They can become ingredients to success if we dignify the trials by trusting God for whatever will give Him the greatest glory. Number five, they appealed for a full search of the written evidence. They encouraged all to search out the facts for themselves. In the New Testament, the Bereans were commended for such action when they searched the scriptures for written evidence that Paul was preaching biblical truth in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Darius did find the scroll with the official record of the original permission granted by King Cyrus in Ezra chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. King Darius orders Tatanai and Shether, Bozani, and the officials to mind their own business, back off, and no longer meddle or interfere with this work. Now therefore, Tetanai, governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar, Bozani, and your colleagues, the officials of the provinces beyond the river, keep away from there. Leave this work on the house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Ezra chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. 
Not only does Darius tell these intruders to leave Zerubbabel and the temple project alone, but he tells them to financially support the work with the taxes from their provinces and sponsor the project by offering whatever is needed. Darius ends his edict with a strong reminder that no one is to alter or tamper with the interpretation of its terms. If they do, a beam would be pulled from their home and used to construct a gallows for them to be hanged upon. Impaling criminals on gallows was the earlier Persian form of a Roman crucifixion. These governors carried out the decree with diligence in verse 13 of chapter 6. How important is the ministry of preaching? The Apostle Paul referred to this in yesterday's reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through chapter 2, verse 9. Preaching saved the day for this returning remnant, and the elders of the Jews were successful in building through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. And they finished building according to the command of the God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. The temple was finished on the twelfth month, Adar, of 515 B.C., about seventy years after the Babylonians destroyed the temple of Solomon in 586 B.C. This was five and a half years after the prophets Haggai and Zechariah ministered their words of encouragement to call them back to work. The finished temple was celebrated with joy. A month after the dedication, on the fourteenth day of Nisan, the correct day prescribed by the law, all who had returned from the exile ate together the Passover lamb. The text has the many people focusing on the one Passover lamb. The Jews demonstrated a gracious attitude, extending their invitation to those who could not prove their Jewish lineage, but were willing to separate themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors. Now let's move to today's reading from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 23. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool 
that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. And that's the end of our reading from the New Testament today from 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul continues to communicate that the cross brings us onto the resurrection ground in which Christ is all and in all. The resurrection ground is not personal preference or natural understanding. All is measured in the light of the work of the cross. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Paul was not crucified for them, only Christ. Apollos did not save them, only Christ. Paul and Apollos are part of this one new corporate humanity, the body of Christ. Each member has a unique ministry, but only as a portion in the communication of the life of the whole. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. It is all God's work, and He is to get the glory. We are but servants who will be rewarded, commensurate to the reality of Christ being the source and object of our works. That which is done for Him and through Him will stand the test and be proved as having eternal value at the Bema Seat Judgment, silver, gold, and precious stone. Paul reminds the Corinthians that they are God's temple in Corinth. We cannot let the temple self-destruct by dividing into factions on petty issues of preference. Pride comes in many forms, but Paul warns of the danger of spiritual pride, those who would boast of having higher wisdom and higher experiences. We should not divide because we favor one portion over another, for in Christ we have all. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. When we adopt divine viewpoint, we need never be jealous, envious, or feel like a have-not, for in Christ we have all things. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook and prayer book, the book of Psalms. Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 29, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord, over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in His temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. 
May the Lord bless his people with peace. And this is the ending of our reading from Psalms. This is what we do when we give God-honoring praise. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Psalm 29, verse 2. Verses 1 and 2 of this psalm eloquently call us to worship. Verses 3 through 9 remind us why we come to listen and not just praise. The voice of the Lord refers to the power of his word when it is spoken. Verses 10 and 11 remind us that the Lord is sovereign over all and that he is ready to supernaturally furnish his people with what they need. He gives strength and blesses his people with peace. Do you know the Lord as the strength of your life? Have you been blessed with peace? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And now for our final stop on our Bible tour today, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. A wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. The first proverb, in verse 26, highlights that it is important for a leader to discern evil and purge it whenever and wherever he or she can. The threshing wheel is a picture of the winnowing process of separating the grain from the chaff, the good from the evil. In verse 27, we learn that mankind is made in God's likeness and that he has a spirit within that is built for correspondence with God who is spirit, in John 4, verse 24. As spiritual beings, humans have an intellectual, moral, and spiritual capacity to search after God, but this capacity has been irreparably damaged by the fall. Mankind is a lamp that needs to be lit from the outside. The Holy Spirit needs to be joined to and regenerate the human spirit, birthing it with new life, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Only then, when one is made to be light in the Lord, can the spiritual capacity for knowing and serving God be made possible. Have you come alive to God? Are you a lamp without a light? Or has the Lord of life become the light of your life? Let's take all of this to prayer. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us in your word that we are built into a temple fit for your dwelling place. Unto you be glory in your church both now and forevermore. We pray that we will prosper in the work of proclaiming your word and that through the many ministries of the body of Christ you would draw the lost to your Son and build up the church which is his body. We are grateful for every servant of yours, mindful that some plant, some water, but you, O God, give the increase. We pray that the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit will kindle the lamp of our spirits and give us fresh understanding through the Word today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I hope that you have found today's reading from the Word profitable. I certainly have found it to be fresh and relevant. If you have any comments or questions or you'd like to contact us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to know more about New Life and its ministries or how you can support us, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And also you can subscribe there to a written copy of our daily Bible commentary from the one-year Bible readings. So until next time, Shalom. God be with you.